to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, we are, well, getting started with the NBA season. We are basically a week in, and I'll tell you, the Detroit Pistons are exactly where I thought they'd be. They're at the bottom, Richard. 0-2. I've been working on, uh, you know, different ways you know you know know, last year was fade for Cade I don't know if it's um uh you know stay low for Bonchero I'm not totally sure yet what the uh you know what it's going to be but I'm just saying the Pistons are are right on track uh they just need Cade Cunningham to show up to a basketball game and and then we'll be good to go I mean at the end of the day Richard like your team is going to be stinky. Kate Cunningham is going to play probably 48 to 60 games this season. You're going to have some nice development. Jeremy Grant is either going to solidify himself as the guy to stick stick around and be with Cade or kind of be the guy to send out and bring back more assets to build around Cade with a more, like, you know, as Cade gets closer to getting paid, you're bringing in more draft picks to supplement, like that kind of growing uh, process. I think you have a lot of positive options going for you. Um, Kelly Olenek spreading the floor for the young guard as is his only true role in life. He's not good for anything else other than helping guards develop. So uh, I think you're in a good spot. And um, especially if you're 0-2, you're still at the bottom. I kind of need you to have more wins than the Cavs for a couple in-house bets. But I told you. I, try, I tried to let you know. I, try, I tried to warn you. Uh, I told you we got we to play the young guys, and uh, it's going to lead to some losses. We'll say Kelly Olenek, also good for yanking shoulders out of socket. But um, – this is we might mention the someone on the Detroit Pistons, but that's enough at least team talk there because we're gonna go ahead and do a little bit of season predictions, a little bit of cheating season predictions. You know, one weekend. But I want to start by just don't spend tons of time. I don't have to belabor it, but I want to know, Ethan, who do you think the you know number one through the play-in teams? are going to be uh, this year out East and out West. And, you know, if there's some discrepancy, you know, we can, we can talk about it. So who, who do you have there out East, Ethan? What's going on there? Well, and I haven't, like, I think I didn't have it all written out formally, at least not a complete note noted group, but like I kind of had my thoughts and I'm not really going to cheat based on what I've seen. This is what I thought before the season started, and I'm going to kind of roll with it, even though um, for one pick specifically, they're looking a little bit better, but they do have a tough schedule ahead. Anyway, starting off with the number one team, I pick the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I'm not sure how that calorie situation is going to roll out, but however, I do think they're still a really good team. I think guys like Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown are still in a development stage of their career. They could be completely different players by the all-star break and real, being real true contributors. Big upgrade in their, their center rotation um, from a guy named DeAndre Jordan, who is now um, playing for the Lakers and is not looking very good. I think, I think they're just in a big, a big, they are going to grow a lot more than a lot of the other teams uh, this season, despite having two very established superstars. I, so I think it's reasonable. I mean, I think any sort like for me, there's really only two two teams you can really have in this discussion for top seed in the East, and for me that would be Brooklyn, who I don't have, and the Milwaukee Bucks, who I do have. Any anyone else that someone was throwing out before the season just seemed I feel like would have would have been an extremely hot take. Uh, wouldn't have believed them really, and so like for, for me, those that's the top 
you know, top two teams, teams who I think will be at it again in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, barring seeding and all that stuff. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Nets got to figure out what they're doing in the interim. Hopefully Patty Mills can can figure it out and, uh, you know, fill in. The, we'd like the rest of the roster. Uh, and I'm, I'm not too worried about, about them long term. Also not worried with the Brooklyn Nets after getting walloped in Miami. I'm sorry, the, the Milwaukee Bucks after getting walloped in Miami. But I, I just I, – I view those two as the, as the top two teams, and then there's a gap, right? Goes without being said, the Bucks are my number two team. Um, continuity, um, good players in general, like really only missing P.J. Tucker out of that championship rotation, adding a guy like George Hill, DiVincenzo coming back to play for a regular season. All those things are positives. And honestly, like, you know, there's there's no like perfect P.J. Tucker replacement that they've added. But a guy like Jordan Nora is go- is going to shoot the ball better or at least be more willing to shoot the ball than P.J. Tucker. And then like, if Simi Ojale, like hopefully his shot comes around or his willingness to shoot comes around. But he's a pretty solid defender as well. Like I just like – I think they just did a great job of retaining the players that they needed to retain aside from one P.J. And, you know, if they stay healthy, they're a good solid team. Chris Middleton – like he, he, I keep thinking he hits the ceiling and he, he goes up another, you know, level or half level. So he's just always been impressive. Like I'm just, I'm really sold on this team being really good. Your third team. Third team is the Atlanta Hawks. And um, I am very bullish on the Hawks being a wonderful regular season team this year. I look at um, the additions that they made specifically. We've talked about them in the previous pods, but DeLon Wright uh, coming in, helping with a second unit, being a better defender than anything that they've put out there in recent memory. I guess you could argue Chris Dunn was that, but he also was hurt um, for a large portion of his career. Um, honestly, they're, they're just relying on some health. And, you know, you guys, guys like Bogdan, DeAndre Hunter, who have had their health concerns in the past, but I also think the depth that they added um, in the draft with a Jalen Johnson, he's going to be able to play some minutes at the at the 3-4. Daniil Garinari, he's got some health things, but he's going to, like, the point is, I think there's 12 guys on this roster, if I added it up correctly, that all would get NBA minutes almost regardless of what team they're on. They happen to all be on one team. Now, some of those guys like a Lou Williams, less effective in the playoffs. Maybe even a Gallinari in some matchups, less effective in the playoffs. But for regular season success, almost this is almost the entire roster can be played without like raising eyebrows. And I think that's a huge deal for regular season success, especially back in an A2 game regular season. Yeah, I think that this is this team is incredibly deep. The only kind of issue or, or question mark that I had with them was center health, uh, because Okongwu's out to start the year, and uh, I thought something was up with Capella, but he's played. So you know, you got him, you got Jang coming in to kind of fill any backup backup center roles in the meanwhile. But if you know, this team has just a lot of people. This is somewhere where I have them four. I wish I had them three now after, you know, having the Sixers. And I just thought that they would have figured their situation out by now and that Embiid wouldn't be gimpy already. Like, uh, so like I'm not feeling great about that. Uh, if they can, or if the Sixers can remain healthy and if Simmons will play basketball or if they can trade him for reasonable things. Like, I think that I, don't, I feel fine with them at three, but the Hawks just seem very regular season proof. So... We got, we're talking about Lou Williams being a backup or third string point guard adjacent kind of guy. And then I really like Sharif Cooper as like a guy who can eat some minutes for you at some point in the regular season, just kind of keeping the ball moving. Like 
I'm telling you, that's a, that's their two-way guy. I, I this team is so deep. I, I, I would have bet any amount of money that they win the division. Um, I just probably can't bet like that for real because then I'm rooting against the Heat. It seems like, and I don't like that feeling. Um, but I just trust this this Hawks team so much in terms of how that they'll be successful. And I, we might get to him a little bit later, but like a coach like Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan, I've always said he gets exactly what you need out of a team. He might not get you over the like to the up and a beyond. But to get to what you what you put on the roster, he'll coach it to its its percentile, and I think the Hawks have enough talent that that's where they're going to sit. Yeah, I mean, so I, I had Sixers Hawks um, to kind of round off the the you know top you know, top four home court advantage teams there, uh, and at four you had your uh, homer pick the Heat. Yes, I don't know if it's a homer pick other than just that is my favorite team because I think the Heat. Would I would say almost consensusly be the third best team in the East for playoff roster setting. I think that's not a hot take at all. Maybe the Sixers with uh, whatever the Ben Simmons return in would push over that. Maybe maybe some people think the Hawks are a better postseason team. I'm not sure. But I look at the Heat, and it's just depending on how healthy Kyle Lowry is. If Kyle Lowry is healthy, this team's offense is going to hum a little bit better. Like I think has top 10 potential on offense. And if Lowry is also healthy, even if he's not, I think this team has top five defense potential. Um, based on the personnel at, at hand. So I feel really good about their chances in playoff time if the roster is healthy. Yeah, I think we're in range. Um, like, if someone were to say Sixers or Hawks, I wouldn't put up much of a fight come playoff time. It's like, okay, sure. You know, Hawks had some success last year, albeit in unique circumstances. Sixers, if healthy, right? No, I'm fine there. I think that what's big for the Heat is making sure that they don't just, they just don't get matched up with the Bucks round one uh and if if, if you don't i think that you're I mean, again not that I, I think that they're a unique matchup with the bucks just with the way that each of the last two meetings in the postseason have have gone for either team um i think that would be fun although i would like to see that in like round two right rather than round one so i uh I, you know looking at it i think that um the heat i have at six just you know, regular season types of things and concerns, but Sneaky for me, old team. I look. Yeah, I look at my um, three through six are kind of in a tier um, together. If if I were to think about it that way, where one and two are kind of together, now three through six, you know, I I've got I've got the Heat right there at six. I've got the Bulls right there at five. Um, that was the team that. Again, I, I made my list uh, prior to the season starting. I think this team is ripe for uh, regular season relative success. They have shown a whole lot of, of defense um, of late, but but guess what? This is regular season defense against regular season teams. Yeah, Alex Crusoe and Lonzo Ball are going to make the Pistons and Killian Hayes look silly, right? It, they're, they're going to uh, cause a whole lot of havoc against a team that just scored over 100 points for the first time this season today. So, like, it's against the Atlanta Hawks. So, like, it's, I, I just, I view the Chicago Bulls, like, they're playing very well right now. They're, I think, 4-0 after tonight's game. But at the same time, we really haven't seen them play against playoff competition. And especially against playoff competition in a playoff setting where you're playing the same team seven times, up to seven times. And that's where I think your Vooch DeRozan situation begins to become a little bit untenable. 
maybe you can figure it out in round one if you got the right round one matchup. But you know, round two is where I begin to have have some questions. So. Yeah, and we're going to get to find out a little bit about the Bulls here coming soon. Like, yeah, we, they played Detroit, New Orleans, Detroit, and Toronto. All those teams, I think, are bottom third of the... With Yeah, it's like, if, if you had Zion, then it's, all right, well, at least they've got a competent offense that you're having to, to play some defense against. But no Zion, it's like, okay, well, we got so we got Nicole Alexander-Walker time out there, so... But they have a little bit of a roster, basically from October 28th to, I would say, November 22nd. So a full month, like all the teams I'm looking at on here, I think the only one that like might be a sub 500 team by the end of the season is going to be the the Pacers, and that's the, to end it. And then they play Houston or Orlando, a couple bad teams in a row. But they they got they got some like playoff looking teams on their roster for the next month straight. So we're gonna get to find out like kind of how it, the the ebbs and flows go. Plus, not to mention sample size increases. We'll we'll learn more. I, I I'll, I'll spoil it. I had the Bulls down at nine. I thought their defense would be more problematic than it's proven so far. We'll see how that goes. Um, I didn't want to I didn't want to kind of cheat it and like kind of like say oh hype it up. Like I'm a big Zach Levine guy. Um, not defensive DeRozan or not defensive Vucevic guy. I do like Lonzo and Caruso. I just didn't see how they would all see the core at the same time. But for regular season success, I I, I will the, the the reason I like would like to maybe move them up would be because they have lots of elements to close games. They have a guy like Vooch who can take advantage of mismatch in the post. They got a guy like DeRozan who's been a mid range assassin for years. A guy like Levine who can score from all three levels. So like, in theory, they can beat you every type of way down the stretch. Can they stop anyone? And we'll find out as the sample size increases. So I had them down at nine. Um, you had them at the fifth. You had the Heat at the sixth, as we've already discussed. My five and six were Sixers at, at five, Knicks at six. I just think the Knicks are going to be a great, a solid regular season team with as a coach, a Tom Thibodeau coach team usually is. One more, th- one more little note on the Bulls, where I think that they might be experiencing some some uh, fortune right now is with the way that the NBA refs are calling things right now. Like they are, they've like there's a pendulum which I think is going to swing a little bit back. Where they are really allowing, um, you know, defenders to be really aggressive, hardly calling anything in, in this in this first week, which I kind of like. Like, I think I think it's good. But like Alex Caruso is just feasting in, in that setting, right? Lonzo Ball's able to be um, physical. Zach Levine can be there, but uh, so I, th- I think with their point of attack defense, they're able to be very um, fortunate with the way that things are being called. We'll see if it's called, you know, if there's any sort of regression on the refing where it kind of goes a little bit back in that direction um we'll see uh Knicks you mentioned them that's my seventh team so like we're, we're you know we're in range I, I got the Knicks I had the Knicks at seven um you know the they, they lost me a little bit obviously in, in their offseason and then kind of brought me back and you know I just think that they'll be solid and competent and you know all that, all that stuff. I just think that with the way the rest of the Eastern Conference is, where I think you know the Heat are, you know, pretty good, and uh, it's just like, I think this is a play-in team, and um, yeah, maybe if there's injury, they I think they could jump up a little bit, but that's kind of how I view uh, this team. If the Bulls and Heat and Sixers can all keep it up, I, I look at the Knicks as the one thing they we came glaringly obvious in the postseason last year against the Hawks is that they did not have enough guys who could put it in the basket 
down the stretch or even like for a full quarter to keep up with a team that was hot. And I think the addition of Kimba Walker, you know, Derek Rose, if he can stay healthy again, retaining Alec Burks and then adding Evan Fournier, I think that just gave me a little bit more like of a, okay, like they now have legitimate options. Like last year, I remember watching them play the Hawks being like, just please give the ball to Alec Burks. Alec Burks is your best option here. And I don't know if Alec Burks has that full, like I get these shots, like it was turned into the Derrick Rose show for stretches, Emmanuel quickly as a rookie for stretches because Julius Randle was not playing well in that series. I like the fact that they surrounded Julius Randle with some more shooters and guys who can create their own shot to kind of help the offense out. And I, I love the fact that they theoretically, even without going small, should have 48 minutes of good center play between Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that. I just worry a little bit more about, you know, we've, about just the general defense the rest of the way. Like, Kim Walker is now playing minutes. Like, a lot he of flops think, a okay, lot, though. Uh, okay, okay. But, like, you, you think about – it's not being rewarded this year as much. Um, so, the you think about how, uh, you know, last year they were a team that were very fortunate as far as opponent three-point uh, luck. Like, they – uh, you know, again, there's a lot of uh, things I think the Athletic World is reporting on this a lot, and there, there's people you can follow on Twitter who basically said that the Knicks were extremely fortunate in their three-point, in opponent three-point um, uh, shot making, and uh, you, you know, expecting a little bit of regression there. And now we're having to plug in Evan Fournier, we're having to plug in Kemba Walker, we're playing you know uh, more minutes maybe of Obi Toppin as as you're trying to give give him a little bit more time perhaps and. I just I begin to worry a little bit that you're gonna begin to see just because you have worse defenders out there, just a little bit of a of a you know, regression on the defensive end, even if you do get like, hey, we really needed more offensive spark in, in the playoffs, so let's bring him in. I, I just wor- I just wonder what that looks like in the regular season for them. It'll definitely be uh something to keep an eye on because they did they definitely did make that make that trade. They made the trade for more offensive players, um, less solely defensive focused outlook but you know they also Mitchell Robinson should play more and he should be able to cover for some some glitches um, going next to kind of maybe even the next tier I would have this team in the same tier as the Knicks I bet both the Knicks and this team's over the uh, the Charlotte Hornets big fan of the Charlotte Hornets think they have no center play but that doesn't necessarily have to be me to be a bad thing I just look at them as like they are maybe a Miles Turner acquisition away from being legitimately scary. I don't know how they would get a guy like that without giving up part of the reasons that make them scary. But I just keep looking at that team and seeing Mason Plumley being a clog versus being a uh, being a, a guy who can also spread the floor a little bit. And I just get excited thinking about it. So anyway, the Hornets are my seven. I'll also go ahead and throw in the Celtics here as my eight. You know, all this is play in. I got Bulls at nine. We've talked about them already. And Pacers at ten. Richard, if you want to go, th- we want to go through and run run out yours. You had the Knicks at seven, Celtics eight, Raptors nine, and Wizards ten. So we do have a little bit of a different of opinions of who the quality teams are here down towards the bottom, which is uh, which is kind of interesting because I don't see the Wizards at all, sir. I, I'll say this again. This was at, at the beginning before before this week, so it's like Charlotte hadn't gone on their ridiculous run, and uh, you know the mobile ball is not looking as ridiculous as he does I, like yeah okay a little, little, little bit of regret here at the moment um but uh, like I, I had the horns like just out like 
I view them kind of in the same tier here. So I guess I had them at 11. Um, if I were to keep it going here, I got my list. But I liked the Wizards a little bit, which, hey, they're, they're, they're up there as well right now. They're you know, playing all right. I just think that they had a lot of depth, um, a lot of bodies, maybe too many bodies, and that they always, like, they all the, the trading Russell Westbrook out and bringing in all of the surplus of just people. They just have a lot of people, and so they can probably withstand injury better than than other teams might be able to. It could lead to more in-house bickering, but this is also a team that always tries to go for it, and so that's why I thought, oh, they would like, oh, who's going to be the last team to to make the play in? Ah, they're going to really want go for it because they're not going to want to. You know, they're not going to tank. So that, that was my kind of thought process with with them. Um, Raptors, I just thought that last season was just such a awful situation for them. And uh, I knew that they'd be really good defensively. I think it just depends on how, how good Scotty, Scotty Barnes and can Siakam come back and, and, and look good. And, and, you know, maybe they can string together something. But again, I view all these teams with maybe the exception of the Celtics as – you know, being kind of lesser, I think the Celtics out of this group could jump up. I just, like, they can't really withstand any injuries to any of their wings or any missed time. And so that was kind of why I had them push down here. It's like they, they're they a team that really can't withstand that because they don't have the depth. The, tr- the trend line I see in all my picks for this Eastern Conference is if you have guards I trust, aside from the Sixers who, because Ben Simmons is out, I don't trust their dribbling all as much. Aside from the Sixers, the trend line of like where I vi- see these regular season teams finishing is how much I trust your guards. And I look at all the teams ahead of the Celtics, and I'm like, yeah, there's multiple guards on those teams, aside from the Sixers, that I trust. I, I don't trust Dennis Schroeder at all. I don't trust Marcus Smart at all, even though I like him as a player. I don't trust him as a guy who facilitates. And Jason Tam and Jalen Brown, while I think they are great wings, the part of their game that I find lacking is their facilitating and their ability to make the correct reads in all these opportunities. I like them creating their own shots. I don't necessarily like them helping, other, helping others. Al Horford kind of helps with that if he's healthy, but... Not enough, in my opinion. And I guess the Bulls would kind of be the outlier there because I definitely trust Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. I don't know about Lonzo Ball as much just because he's not a half-court guy as much. But regardless, I'd say the trend line of reasons I don't have the Wizards and Raptors is I don't trust their guards to keep everything organized. I trust Bradley Beal, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie slander. It's okay. Hey, Spencer Dinwiddie's um, good. I, I, if you remember correctly, I believe I said I might have thought long term I'd rather have him than Lowry on the Heat just because of age and concerns. But I mean, I'm also very happy with Kyle Lowry for now. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the West. Um, this is uh, uh for for me. I I kind of view this in a few different ways. I view the top four. For me, as being kind of in a, like, I don't know. I, I guess I for me, I have the Jazz. Like, I think the Jazz are going to get the number one seed. Like, that's just what I think. And then I think in some order, Lakers, Suns, Warriors. And that's the order that, that I had uh, before the season began. Obviously, the Lakers are struggling right now. But if you take a look at their, you know, basically from now till mid-November, the teams they face, they're all garbage. Um and they were able to sneak one out in Memphis. They're gonna, you know, everything's gonna be fine by you know 
in the next little bit, they're going to be six and two, and they're going to be smiling. So that that's kind of just how I view uh, that going for them. Suns just think they're good. Warriors, obviously, Steph, and if if Clay can come back resembling himself in any way, like for me, those are my top four. With the I think the Jazz heavily, like I, I feel just confident in them as the as the one seed out west in the regular season. Yeah, I I think there's three teams in my top tier. I don't include the Warriors. I don't know if you meant like if like I don't know what like the wins tier like tearing up kind of separates them, but like it's Jazz, Suns, Lakers for me in that top tier, and then a big separation, and then honestly probably four through seven for me. I think the four through seven is going to be very fluid, um, whereas I think that one two three is as locked as it can be. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that. I just if. If the Warriors can stay afloat and, and kind of keep their, you know, ha- have a reasonable record, and then Clay comes back, and let's say Clay looks good, like, like they're looking nice. Bielitsa has been wonderful for them thus far, and I, I just, I guess you're right. I don't know if I see them like I, I would. I feel like I would be surprised if the Warriors end up with a two seed. Like I would be. I don't think I'd be surprised if they ended up at like three, but I think like probably three probably is their highest. Um, I, I suppose, but I could see the Suns or the Lakers being lower than them in the standings, right? I, I could see one of those teams sneaking down. So I guess that's kind of my thought process with, with that at West. I got you. Yeah, no. So like, anyway, my, as I said, those, those three are my top tier. And I think the Warriors, like I have the Warriors at seven for what it's worth. I, I do look at, their offense and say it looks fun again i think bielita has been incredible i don't think i could have foreseen that based on what he was doing with the heat but then again the warriors and steve kerr's offense it it enables guys like him who kind of have a flat a, a flair for the dramatic have have a tendency to like be able to throw and you know overperform. like that's something i i didn't know was still in him and i don't, I don't know if i ever knew it was because he's always played in kind of like a blah system going back to thibodeau coaching going to sacramento and then obviously the heat kind of like a jimmy butler and bam show so i i must say this 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 four through seven for me is very negotiable with that being the blazers nuggets mavs and warriors i see all those teams as very similar um on, on my only concern with two of those teams is i don't know what to expect from the coaching of jason kidd and chauncey billups just because it's a new new team and Chauncey's never done it before, like on a big scale. So I would say, if anything, like maybe I'm artificially too high on them based on what I think of their rosters, and maybe the coaching could uh, limit them a little bit. Well, let me say, I am I'm very concerned with the Dallas Mavericks uh, coaching situation and Jason Kidd. I've not been... I've not liked that hiring from from the get go, and I just don't. I just think he's a very bad coach who's does not deserve necessarily another chance after how his last stints have gone, uh, and, and just hit, like I just I'm I'm out on, on on him, and whatever they do is I think Luca just pulling them up and figuring it out. With Chauncey, uh, there's been rumors that the defense has not been coming along quite as I think he was wondering i know that they were wanting to play nurk up uh, you know up to the level of the screen a little bit more um but that doesn't just affect you know it doesn't just affect those guys it affects how you know the help positions of everybody else in any ball screens like that and so i i worry that you're going to have 
you might have a little bit of issues at the beginning trying to navigate that and figure that out. But, I mean, they were dreadful defensively last year. So, I mean, I'm okay with them doing a little bit of experimenting if it's going to help in the long run. Uh, I have the Blazers as my fifth seed, then Nuggets, then Mavs. Like, I have Mavs down at seven, but we have the same top seven. Um, you know, I, I think we think Jokic is going to carry, you know, carry the Nuggets um, to, we don't have them, you know, top half, but like not, not playing. So um, yeah, maybe hopefully until, you know, Murray is able to come back because I, th- I think Murray will come back to some degree by the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. And I think Murray's the kind of guy who doesn't need his whole bag when you're talking about pairing him with a Jokic because he already like Jokic does so much facilitating. Obviously Murray assists in that regard as well, but we, we've seen Jokic MVP, Nikola Jokic, if people have forgotten, we've seen him hold the offense together by himself. I think Jamal Murray can very easily like step into like a, you know, working off pin downs, you know, still run some pick and roll, some inverted pick and roll between the two of them. Things that are maybe a little bit lower stress on his on just his general movement. And I think can can really just he's just a, a better shooter than Composo. He's a better shooter than uh, Monte Morris. Like I just I trust him with the ball in his hands on a catch and shoot more so than those guys like that's It's just that kind of upgrade, even if he's not you know, the dynamic, you know, 50 point dueler that he was with Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. Like I just, he's just going to be better than those guys when he comes back. Just a matter of, does he try to do too much? It's a kind of like a concern I would have. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to see is some, uh, bone Thailand minutes. So, uh, you know, Mike Bone just make it happen at, at some point. Um, don't know when, but you know, Make it happen. We, we we do know that he's always like based on the Michael Porter thing. If you're not playing defense, you don't uh, necessarily get the uh, the options. Yeah, well, I want to see it. Um, so there's our top seven. Uh, eight. I had Grizzlies. Sorry, I wish I had Grizzlies. You had Grizzlies. <laughs> I have Clippers. Um, I have Clippers, Pelicans, Wolves, and I'm sad that I did not have this is like where like one weekend i'm hitting the panic button it's like i want to swap out my pelicans pick for the grizzlies there at nine i have grizzlies just missing it as the 11 seed um so i guess in both east and west i'm a little bit in panic mode wanting my 11 seed uh, initial predictions to, to like jump in but uh clippers you know I, I think paul george and the rest of that roster you know barring relative health everywhere else i think they can make it to about this spot um pelicans man i yeah zion i don't know when he's coming back but i need him to come back soon <laughs> right I, I i will say like the the pelicans like i won't say slander because i still put them at 10 for me even uh given their start um the like the, the pelican slander would start as soon as, i mean i've always called zion fat and then i'll, I'll continue to do it for dramatic effect because i think it's funny um but as soon as I saw that he had a little bit of an injury concern, nope, I'm, I'm done with him being like anything that like is truly threatening to the playoffs. Because if, if he's not there, I think your entire game plan is wiped out. I know Javel, Jonas Valanciunas uh, is a lot better than Steven Adams. I think originally, if you would have told me like when that trade first occurred, I've been like, yeah, I think I think the um, I think the Grizzlies would be ahead of him. Or the Grizzlies would be behind him if, if I just look at that swap. Because I don't think Steven Adams is as good. But the thing I think I would have been forgetting even before the Zion injury is 
John Morant gets better every time I see it. And if John Morant plays more and plays better, he diminishes the Dylan Brooks role, which was is has been overstretched most of his career. Um, Desmond Bain is playing more now with Grayson Allen out, and there's no, like, kind of who's the young player are we trying to develop? Grayson Allen's closer to a payday. We need to make sure we play him and see what's happening. Nope, Desmond Bain's here. He's playing. We're great. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be playing more minutes this year. Um, and then Steven Adams is, you know, still like an okay guy. Like, he doesn't really take anything off the table other than a post-up threat. Like, but maybe you leaned on that too much with Jonas Valanciunas last year. Like, I think that was what I talked about in the uh, the season outlook. I, I honestly think the Grizzlies are just one of those teams that just has enough dudes that as long as Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy to kind of be able to throw in some unique defensive lineups, even though he still fouls too much, I think this team has a, the ability to compete with everyone um, any given night, especially when Jaw is shooting well, which that's small sample size. But if he, shoot, if he shoots 36, 37% from three, Instead of I think lower like 35 like he has been in his career, he's 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 scary because he can get past anybody. Yeah, I mean just Jaw continuing to improve and that's like that's just something I I, I was like ah you know though they they seem to be doing some weird like kind of pause step one step back take two steps forward type thing. No, they're just they're just walking forward with with, with their team. With the Valanciunas thing, just like defensively, I begin to wonder, like, there's less versatility now on that end. And it's just the defensive end of the Pelicans. I I am unsure about. I I just need Zion to get back and to just move. Like, I know that he's going to be ridiculous as he's moving and um, doing sweet stuff. But uh, who knows? I, I wish I picked the Grizz there. Wolves, I like what I've seen from the Wolves. I like the little bits and pieces and... You know, my statements about uh, Anthony Edwards, like I, I feel as though he's hitting higher percentiles than 50%, which uh, kind of my thought process in the draft, like when he came into the draft, I am still a little bit of he- a little bit hesitant until I see him put together a few other things. And, you know, obviously shot selection's been there and um, you know, him, him attacking the rim like he should need, needs to be there, and then obviously defense. But you know, there, there, there were some interesting defensive like little clips and snippets that I've seen that I've, I've appreciated from him. But I like that I had that I did not leave the Wolves off of this play, and I, 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 they're they're at least fun. Yeah, I think the Timberwolves are a lot of fun. I I do have like even though I was definitely, you know. One, someone who was was caping a little bit more for Anthony Edwards in our pods. Like I definitely had my frustrations with him and shot selection, especially I think with a full roster on the team now with a guy like even just having a guy like, you know, Patrick Beverly who just takes, you know, open shots, a guy like um, D'Angelo Russell who kind of gets the offense started. Like you kind of, like you kind of have just the right amount of guys around him that it, it, he would really look stupid if his shot selection was very, like, was asinine. You know what I'm saying? And obviously, Carl Anthony Towns being healthy this year gives you the correct hub. Because Carl Anthony Towns is obviously an offensive, like, brilliant. So, I, I like the Wolves. I think they're very fun to watch. I, I do not trust them to close out close games because of, you know, kind of like a bunch of subpar finishers. Like, you know, Anthony Edwards, not the guy you want taking final shots. D'Angelo Russell, not the guy you want taking shots. Um, currently Towns, he's the guy you want taking shots, but centers are sometimes hard to get the ball to, to force feed. So I worry about closing games with this squad specifically. And then also, um, those three guys I mentioned, if they're in the closing lineup, you also have some defensive holes as well. So I like the wolves. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I 
would not have them over the Pelicans, um, especially if Zion plays, let's say, 60 games this year. Um, that's just my personal thoughts on the matter. I would, would like to lastly say I really would like the Kings to be in this conversation because I love De'Aaron Fox. I love Tyrese Halliburton. Honestly, enjoy Davion Mitchell. And maybe if they move on from Buddy Heald, which apparently is in the news, and they can actually get one other wing other than Harrison Barnes on this team, maybe they could put something together because I really like their guard rotation. And if we're talking about Rashawn Holmes and, and Harrison Barnes, they're literally a, a, a three and a half from being like a functional roster. And I would like to see that happen for them. Yeah, I've been trying to get Sacramento Kings trades for weeks now. Um, and yeah, weeks. Um, maybe maybe I'll have them for you by by pods end. Okay, so there's how kind of think the things are going to shake out in the East and in the West. Um, what I want to do now is let's talk about our picks for uh, the season awards. Um, I I think we got to start with MVP, um, and you know work our way down from there. Ethan, who do you have as the regular season MVP this upcoming year. I'm actually going to call an audible here. I was going to pander. So. I, I, I was like, going to pander after the, you know, I was looking at your, how you had things finishing in the standings. Like, I don't think, I don't think the Blazers finishing fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pander to my, my favorite fan base. Um, Cause even though I'm obviously a Heath fan, I think the Heath fans are very annoying on Twitter, even though I follow them. So like, you know, I expose myself to all their problems. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with LeBron James. I think if we can manage to get him to keep his, if he's part of the reason the Lakers' defense is above average, like or even really good, still got, it's got a long way to go based on how the season started. Um, I think he's still gonna have plenty of counting stats. If they're a top three seed, and I personally think, you know, with with Giannis winning the championship, he'll be a very tough candidate. Kevin Durant, if his scoring is there, he's obviously right there. Um, but I'm just going to go with a uh, legacy talk. Let's get LeBron James one more MVP. I don't care if it's accurate and if that's what should happen. I'm caping for my boy LeBron because he deals with a terrible GM and a terrible organization, and he has to do everything on his own. Which is, and he's not a very good GM either, so he's got to be a better player. Yeah, no, he, he he signed off on on the moves this summer, so, like, you know. I I just think any, any success, defensive success that they – that the Lakers have is squarely on Anthony Davis's shoulders, like all of it. Um, so I, I don't see much of that credit being given to LeBron, especially in a regular season setting. I think people will say, Oh yeah, look at, look at it. Look at him in the playoffs and how, how he ramped up for those few minutes and, you know, his you know, off ball kind of helper help side defense. You know, I, I can see that people will give him credit there. I don't necessarily see it in the regular season. And I just think Russell Westbrook is going to be too much of a deterrent for him to win this award. Um, I'm going Giannis. I just, I think that we've hit the point where people like don't feel bad about it anymore. Who they were like, all right, he, he won last year. I think it's time, you know, if, if he keeps putting up the types of seasons he's been putting up, like, I don't, I don't see why it can't be him. If you, you know, I have them finishing as the number one seed out East. And if he plays and fills up a stat sheet, like he usually does, I, I just think voters will look at it and say, Hey, it, it this, this is the guy, and he, he showed it last year, and uh, he's, we've seen it in the past, and you're not going to hold things against him because he won, he won the championship. Like, you can still hold it against James Harden. It's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I don't know. And uh, now he's with Kevin Durant, so can you really give it to him? And, uh, like, 
And and unlike LeBron, when he was like, I would say, the most dominant regular season player in the league and was clearly worthy of every MVP that you could have given him them. Like I'm talking end of Cleveland, Miami days is what I'm specifically speaking towards. Um, LeBron was definitely like in that, there's some haters in the media, if, if I can dare say so. I don't know if Giannis has any haters in the media other than the one James Harden, Rachel Nichols interview, right? Where he's like, I wish I could just dribble down dunk it every time. Like, that's really the only, like, Giannis hater in the media. Like, there's no one in the – especially now the championship is here too, and he did it in Milwaukee without having to do all the team-up stuff. There's no one with a negative opinion of Giannis. So that I think the fatigue is much less likely to happen. And he's going to put up great numbers. We know Giannis is going to crush the regular season. He's going to be a PER god. He's going to do everything. He's going to play great defense. There's no reason he can't win MVP. But, you know, we can't all say the same thing, Richard. So, LeBron James, legacy talk. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, you could. You, you could just go with the correct pick, but that that's okay. No, um, no, no. Groupthink is not allowed in this podcast anymore. We, regardless, I'm, 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 I'm ready to put out bad – I'm ready to print bad receipts if it means better ratings. Well, well then, then you gotta you got to change your most improved player award. That's all i got to say about that. Uh, we won't get there yet. We're going to Rookie of the Year, where obviously I'm going K to have to. Um, and But I think that there's a lot of potentially good people to select from. Select from. Evan Mobley is going to put up some interesting, you know, moments and stuff. I don't think it's enough to really get him the award. Um, he'll be a first teamer. Uh, I think, you know, Duarte, let's shout out Elkin there. You know, Chris Duarte's getting buckets. Um, and and so I, I think he's going to be up there, you know, just kind of, you know, we, we thought he would. I think he's getting a little, little more buckets than we thought he would, but, that, you know, reasonable. Um I think Scotty Barnes, depending on how Toronto does, like if Toronto makes a push and makes the playoffs, I could see, you know, him being the, uh, you know, the a really, really good rookie on the team that did the best and people looking and rewarding that. Um, being, a, being a do-it-all kind of guy. Yeah, being a do-it-all kind of guy. And if his shooting's not just atrocious or if he just shows aggressiveness at the rim, like, you know, I, I think I think he could potentially get it. I'm going with Cade, though. I have to. Um I think that once he comes back, uh, he's going to like people are going to see how bad the Pistons have been without him, and then just the oh wow, hey look, they're winning a couple of games, and maybe maybe Cade's getting people making everyone else look good, and if you can if we can have a little bit of that, then you know maybe maybe people will look and see hey you know Cade's defending well, look at the, the Pistons are you know having a pretty good defense, which is about all the you know their offense is going to be weak, but if if you see him kind of put together an all around type of thing. They could reward it, perhaps. Um, uh, you're going with uh, more flash of a pick. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going with Jalen Green. I think it comes down to like a numbers game. I think he's going to put up some incredible statistical numbers this year. Uh, I think he just has complete control of the studio space. I know Cade has a lot of the studio space available to him, um, but he does have what I would view as other fully functional, competent NBA players around him that are going to like kind of steal parts of the show, right? And they got to know what they're going to get out of Killian, so he's going to get some some ch- chances. Jer- Jer- Jeremy Grant went to the Pistons to be the best player on the team, right? And last year he was, and this year Cade's going to push him for it, but he's still going to have his, you know, moments of ISO. Whereas Jalen Green, he's dealing with Kevin Porter Jr. in that phase, and definitely is like going to, like he's going to take some shots away from, but guys like Eric Gordon are going to be gone at some point this season. I think Daniel House is going to be gone at some point this season. So Jalen Green is the guy who's going to 
he's the number one reason this team, like to watch this team for excitement reasons. And then he also, like, he's pretty good too. So and he's going to have a chance to show everyone how good he can be. I'll say that the person who's probably going to steal the Thunder a little bit more so is probably Sadiq Bey, honestly. Like, man's done it for 20-point games over and over and over again right now. He's averaging a shade under 20. Um, we love and that. We know we, I'm oh, a Sadiq We do Bay love guy. that here. We, we, lo- we, we, we love that here a lot. Um, but, so you're right. I think that there's that. I think it just depends on what the voters look on. Oh, are you just looking at counting stats and, and total points? And, you know, if that's if that's the case. Flash and pizzazz. reasonable. Yeah, I think it's 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 reasonable, but I think as well if you can, um, I think that there are some voters who might look for a little more than that. So it just kind of depends on how the narrative goes, and and you know we'll see. And that makes me think maybe it could be Scotty Barnes just because of the little bit of the do it all type thing and team success, which has not historically been the decision of rookie of the year. But who knows? Could, a new time could be upon us. Next. Defensive player of the year. And I just want to say up, up front, if the Lakers end up with a top three defense, probably going to Anthony Davis. Like, it probably should. Like, that's with, with what they've done, with, with the atrocity that has been done to, to, to you know, the guard defense rotation, um, he should win it if they get top three. So just with that caveat aside, who do you have? Um, Bam Adebayo. So, like, obviously, Anthony, like I'd say, I would still say if you had to pick one guy that's your best defender in the league, it's like the two the two guys we have listed here make the list of the five because I'd be going or I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe let me expand it to six because one of these guys isn't playing right now. But it's it's the Anthony Davis. It's the Bam Adebayo. It's the Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's the Ben Simmons, the Draymond Green and the Kawhi Leonard. Two of those guys aren't playing right now. Ben Simmons and Kawhi Leonard. Those are those are the six guys for me that I, I, I don't think there's anyone better than those six on a game in, game out, regular season, postseason basis. Those no, guys hold on, hold on, kind of bring it. Uh, what? Sorry. Did you say uh you did not say Gobert. You said Embiid. Do you say Embiid? I did not say Embiid. Okay, I just I just wanted to check on, on on those two names. Like, first off, I don't know if it can go to Rudy Gobert again. Like, I, I just like the voter fatigue. I think has settled in. But here's the thing. Like, I think again. I I think this is the year for the Jazz. Like, I've I've been sneaky I, saying it for I a think while. The jazz and are great. I think they're great. I, I I just I think it will be funny if. We get to the point where maybe this ends up being the season, but be, because of the voter fatigue, he doesn't win the award. Um, yeah. Regardless, I, I overall I think agree with you. I just think that I have Draymond. Um, they were a top five defense last year, which, you know, think about some of the, you know, people that that were on that, and I think it also speaks to the how good some of those other people are who, you know, I think Wiggins played a pretty good defensive year. Um, Juan Descanal Anderson getting minutes. That was big. You know, obviously like, you know, Curry's not a complete slouch, um, but you know, you also had, you know, some. Damian Lee, Jordan Poole. Those are guys who played a lot of men's last year. They were not good defenders. I think they probably are spatially aware enough to get in the right spots, but like, like no one's, Damian Lee's not really stopping anyone. He's just in the in the path. Yeah, like Kelly Oubre had his offensive foibles. Um, like he's athletic, but you know it's overall Draymond 
was very, very good last year defense on the defensive end. And I think with, you know, bringing some of the additions in and on the second unit and stuff, I, I think this could be a team that, again, ends up top five or in, in that range. And people might look and, and, I mean, I'll just say, one of the best defensive performances I've seen, and I've seen a lot of them, you know, D- D- Detroit Pistons, born and raised there. Like, that, that play-in game against Anthony Davis was a thing of beauty. Like, yeah. you, you, you look at the box score, if you don't watch the game there, you think, oh, Tremont didn't show up. Oh, man, did he? He was everywhere. Oh, like, I, if, if you've made it this far, you just need to go ahead and, and search Draymond Green, you know, uh, Draymond Green defending Anthony Davis. Um, it's not even just him. It's every, it's all the other things that he did. But, like, there's a YouTube video that I've watched a number, like, more times than I care to admit. And uh, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> no, Draymond is, he, like, again, all the, all the intangibles, all the, like, all the, the classic white guy tropes that everyone wants to throw around when they don't have anything intelligent to say about white guys on basketball courts. Uh, that's like Draymond Green has all that, like that they just don't mention because, you know, that's not how people do ca- casual media. But Draymond Green is such a good defender. Speaking of which, Alex Caruso may get a little bit of notoriety. Like, like if they allow the guards to defend as, as they do, like I've heard some people say, hey, you know, maybe it's time for a guard to win this award historically people have begun to you know go toward more towards bigger guys and and you, you would have thought okay well if anyone could get it, it would be ben simmons who's kind of the weird guard really a forward but like you know but perimeter defender um uh, at the very least i think caruso makes an all defensive team this year mm, yeah maybe I, I would think so i think him and monzo both would have a chance if the bulls have a good defense at all um, because both those guys are going to have to do some some yeoman's work. Anyway, I picked Bam. It's a homer pick. He's not going to win, but he's going to be part of a good defense. And he's, like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, other than Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is the only one I know for certain I'd pick over Bam for one possession to guard anybody. Um, but that's uh, it's Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. I might still pick Trayvon. Anyways, most improved player. We're staying in Golden State for this one, both of us. Uh, you know, you should talk about not groupthink, and it feels like there's a lot of groupthink all the way around here for 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 for, for most improved. But it's it's like looking at the context, looking at the role, looking at the you know improvement he had at the end of last year, and just seeing for Jordan Poole. Like it's the it, it's it's the I don't know. It, it's a flavor of the moment, but I think it's the correct flavor because. You just look around and it's like, well, well, well who, who else are they going to give it to? This is always a weird award that ends up being very narrative driven. Um, the the guy I've almost picked for both these awards and it'd be, it'd be another Homer thing is like if Tyler Hero just does a lot of scoring for the Heat this year, I could see it happening for him for be most improved and sixth man of the year because he's not going to start and he's going to score a lot of points for the Heat. And I could see people saying yay points and think it's everything, but even even though he's being like hidden like desperately by everyone else on the defensive side of the ball. Right. I, I tower here is one of the guys who I think can kind of creep into that list. You know, like a, a, a point guard, like De'Aaron Fox, if, if he were to bring the Kings to some relevancy, I could see that like hitting another list, even though he's been good for a while now. I was going to say stuff, but like, I don't see any like young guards who is the, that's always the flavor of the, the most improved player. You know, I don't see anyone. Josh. We talked. We, he's we so literally good, talked though. about it. He's we, already we, so good. He took him to the playoffs we, as a rookie. 
but but we literally or lost in the we, bubble, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we literally said, man, this guy just keeps on improving. <laughs> like we literally had that. But that's not. So does Luka Doncic. Like okay, every, all these great players keep getting better. It, it's not how no, the I mean, award works though. Well, but it kind of is sometimes. Kind of is sometimes. <laughs> what with Paul I mean, George? Paul George is the one where he was Brandon already Ingram. really good. Brandon. Okay, Brandon Ingram. That's a good point. So like it, it just it, it the, the one the one like I it, nailed is the one I can't remember huh yeah so like it, it's we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes I I the narrative that uh, pre push for Jordan Poole like if he just plays well like I think it could be his to lose I I picked him for most approved and sixth man which I think hero I mean you might be able to put him sixth man and like I think he, that's a reasonable spot for him too I I just think you know. Who knows? Maybe he'll start too many games in in the absence, and maybe when they come back, maybe they'll play him. I don't know. But Run back my pick I'm, from I'm, last year, OG Ananobi. There you go. There's my non-group think pick. All right. You got Derrick Rose for sixth man. I do, because I think the Knicks are going to still play him a lot. He's going to get basically starter minutes as six-man role. I think Derrick Rose is now, even though he has you know some image issues that have come and gone. Um I still think he's a very popular player in the media sphere, and um, he's playing in New York. I think this is one of those kind of, if you play in New York, you're going to get a lot of attention. Knicks are pretty solid, and he's leading good bench units. Could see it happening. Speaking of which, Patty Mills, um, I think, could also fill that role reasonably well because I I asked, I didn't watch that very first game. I was like, hey, did Patty Mills come off the bench or did he start? And I think someone said he came off the bench. It's like, well... Even if you know Kyrie's not there to do that, he he could be the microwave scorer. Um, you know who, he has come, come off the bench and, all three games so far. So it's like, hey, you're going to meet the requirements of that award, and you're, you know, if you, if you play well, he could be another sneaky one to keep an eye on there. I I like that. I do. I just worry about the volume that some of that would require. I I don't know. Like right now, he's at like he's shooting. Let's see this. He's shooting 68 percent from three right now. And he's still sustainable. Only He's and he's still only scoring twelve points per game, so you know what I'm saying. And no, it's a small, it's small sample size, but that's a little too small in the points department for how high that three point percentage is. If you kind of track my thought. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, coach of the year. Uh, I, I pick. Um, you know, I'm sticking in Utah, right? I'm just gonna, just, just gonna go Snyder. I think that it's the you know they'll they'll show up again and it's like number one seed and it's like oh you know well they've i mean i don't know if they were i don't know how they want to allocate um again success but it's like well maybe we're not going to give it to rudy this year donovan we there's not really an award that we can give him we can vote him into like an all nba team or something like that but you know top team in the west give it to snyder all tracks in my brain quinn snyder is a good coach we've we've seen it if, if you know especially if they you know, can I'd say implement some creative defensive strategies a little bit. Like I kind of like I would. They kind of so the Hassan Whiteside sign tells me that they're gonna just stick with what's working and kind of just double down on the drop big for everything. Also, the Yudika Azabuke trip pick of a year ago, 
But like I would like to see them use the regular season for a little bit of experimentation, kind of like the Bucks did. I don't know that they have the necessary personnel for it. I know Rudy Gay kind of helps in that department, but they still don't really have like that like really good defensive wing center hybrid. They don't really have that, so I don't know how they would implement it because they don't have Giannis to play the small ball stuff. That's you know really good. Like a lot of people don't have that. Um, but it's a, it's a great pick, Richard. It's like, honestly, likely, um, the guy I picked is Nate McMillan because the, I think the Hawks are going to be an incredible regular season team. Uh, he did a really good job last year in the, when he was the interim and then, you know, obviously got hired to be the full-time coach. I thought did a pretty good job in the playoffs as well. Um, I said, Nate McMillan gets, gets you what the team, like if you get, if you get, you give him a good roster, you're going to get a good team. And I think the Hawks have a good roster. So I think they're going to win, you know, 50 games and I think they'll, uh, I think he'll be three seed, and I think that might be enough for Coach of the Year, especially uh, especially when a lot of people, you know, might not might not necessarily think the Hawks are gonna push, like take that step again. I I think they will. Yeah, I mean, just continued success, regular season success, and you know, trying to make up for how last year, you know, what he was able to do as interim. I think it, think it's a good pick. Um, so we decided to go anti executive of the year, a little bit mean. Um. But what would it, what would one of our pods be if we didn't slander Rob Polinka a little bit? Yeah, I mean we had to commit to the bit, and I my bit is and it's accurate though. Rob Polinka is a bad GM, and the Lakers are not a good organization. I'm sticking to it. So Rob Polinka, bad GM, anti-executive of the year. Letting Alex, yeah, letting Alex Caruso just just walk, um, came back to them and said, "Hey, here, just pay me this." And they were like, "Ooh, our pocketbooks are a little bit tight." We're the Los Angeles Lakers, and we can't, we can't pay the luxury tax. We had to return that small business COVID loan, so it's tough. Yeah, I I just I look at what they did. I mean, obviously, I, I can't get on board with the Russell Westbrook. Um, I I am encouraged if and when he ever sets an on-ball screen. I heard he did that a little. I I was you know blacked out of the Memphis game, so I couldn't I couldn't watch it. I heard that. He set an on-ball screen for LeBron, and that, that got, you know, it was like, ooh, hey, it's exciting things, you know. How many more of those he got in the bag, Russ? Um, so we'll we'll have to see. Again, they're going to they're gonna figure it out and play well with this silly schedule over the next uh, couple of weeks, and they'll be 6-2 and two and smiling, and everyone's going to be happy. Kumbaya, um, you know, Dwight Howard is not going to be shoving Anthony Davis at that point in time. He'll get over the 75, you know, year anniversary team. But at the same time, what matters is not November. What matters is uh, in the end and uh, in the playoffs. I just don't think Rob Plinka set this team up for, for much success. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, I just – we know that you need wings. We know that you need wings. And when I'm looking at the roster as it's currently constructed, I don't, I don't see the wings – to help LeBron to play defense, to out catch and shoot threes. I see a lot of small guards that don't shoot that good of a percentage. I see a lot of, a lot of centers that don't space the floor. I see old guys that could literally fall off a cliff at any given point in terms of their physicality and how like they see it. And I mean, Carmelo shot it, had a great game the other day against Memphis shot the ball really well. And like they could, they theoretically can do that with guys like Wayne Ellington. A guy like Kendrick Nunn can heat up. Avery Bradley, every once in a while, takes shots. Sometimes he doesn't score a single statistic in 20 minutes as well. Like they have a lot of guys who can do it for a night. I just don't know how sustainable any of that is when when you're talking about a seven game series. 
and it makes me nervous. But I do trust LeBron and Anthony Davis a lot. And when you have a lot, you're gonna have the two, two of the two of the three best players on the court a lot of time when those two are sharing. So you're right, hundred percent. I I told you by the end of the pod I would have a Buddy Heald trade for you. Ready? To, are you ready to see it? I'm gonna screen share. I want to screen share so you can see it in the moment. Um, Pause for effect. <laughs> okay. So it, you know how on the um, on the Kings roster, all they have is point guards and centers as well. Um, so I I said, hey, let's go ahead and do Russell Westbrook for Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. I sent this. I, I forgot that I sent this to my Lakers fan friends after night two, um, uh, and when they were o two in his panic mode, and I'm like, hey, if if the Kings say this, you do it, and like in a heartbeat. So that's you know you'll have to you'll have to ask you know Cam what he thinks and uh, it, or, or if he if he would do it or not. So no one likes that, Richard. You know, it's an awful trade. It's an awful trade that should never happen. I mean, I the Lakers, every every Lakers fan loves it. I promise you oh, that. At the moment, they do. They're, you know. The they ones still would. Who are, I, I mean, if you ask them, though, in two weeks when they're 6-2 and because they've played real bad teams, they'll be like, ah, maybe not. We'll, we'll, I we'll can't just keep imagine. it. Are they? Are, oh, no, I can't. No, they I will. Even... They will. They're going to see success. And forget that the Orlando Magic were six and two or whatever they were at the beginning of the last season as well, and think that all's okay. I mean, not 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 to say that the Lakers are going to end up like the Orlando Magic did at the end of last season, but you know, it's they're gonna they're going to think that they're going to think it's all all okay. I hate this. I I I I'm so sad that the I I ah too. Why did the Lakers trade for Russell Westbrook? And we should just end the pod with that statement.